climb the mountain with all the obstacles and no matter what you confront, even if you drop to your knees like the knight falls off his horse and you think, you know what, if I really want to get to the top of that mountain, I've got to get up and... Welcome to Brave New Girls podcast. I'm Lou Hamilton, artist, author and founder of Brave New Girl Media and I'm here to bring you inspirational guests and support on your own Brave New Girl journey so that together we can live better, help more people and create a more healthy planet. My guest this week is Patricia Newton, author of Journey to Magnificence, an alchemist's guide to transformation and empowerment, master healer and teacher blending medical expertise with complementary therapies and spiritual wisdom. Patricia's work helps unravel the trauma and darkness that holds us back, guiding us to live better for ourselves, for others, and for the planet. Welcome, Patricia, to Brave New Girls podcast. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm good. How I came about you is I actually lost a very dear friend, a very old friend in the summer, and she was a very spiritual person. And when she died, I didn't really know what to do with myself. And I suddenly had the urge to start meditating. And I've done meditation in fits and starts through my life. But this time I felt that I really needed some kind of guidance that was in the same spirit as she used to practice. She was a light worker. She did a lot of complementary therapies and a lot of Reiki and distance healing. And so I came across Dr. Joe Dispenza and Eckhart Tolle, who I had come across many moons ago when I read his book, Power of Now, but I rediscovered him. So I was listening to both of their, their meditations and it was incredibly powerful and it really helped me through this very difficult time. And I just felt very connected with her, whether that was in my mind or um, some kind of spiritual connection. But whatever it was, it, it did really help me. But I wanted to find a woman who was practicing in a, in a similar way. And so one of our brave new girls, Ruth Kudzi, recommended you. And so I reached out. And here you are. So one of the things that you talk about in your book is the pain body, this concept that in ourselves, we have this sort of deep trauma or layers of trauma that the body has captured and created into what Tolle calls an, an entity. Um, I like to call it my pain baby. <laughs> and so can you talk a bit about what the pain body is and how you help people to uncover that, to clear it, and to heal themselves? First off, what we're talking about really is embodiment. So when you look at the five bodies, you've got a physical body. We all know what that is. Then you have an emotional body, and that's like a layer where your emotions are stored in the matrix around you, in the field. And so all aspects of your childhood, like the three-year-old that pushed off a slide and was terrified, intense fear, is actually in your space around you, in the matrix. And then the five-year-old that thought they'd been left outside a shop and so they'd been abandoned. So you've got little echoes 
energetic conscious holograms that are all around you. And they activate, they come to life because it is energy never dies, just changes form. So when you activate one of those traumatic, you could have gone, been a happy in a tiny little school, then your mum and dad moved, took you somewhere else, and you, you were a kid from the country and you got bullied. So all those experiences were, oh, your grandmother died and she was like your the one that always sat and comforted and taught you things and you suddenly thought, I don't like the world without her, what am I going to do? So these things are all living in the matrix around you. They don't die. So when something, whatever that feeling is, you look at like the element when you do kinesiology and you look at the Chinese medicine, fire, earth, metal, water, wood, we've got organs under all of those and they all have a set of emotions. So if somebody's in grief, it's lung and large intestine and you can rub the points on your body to release that. Rather EFT, I used to do that years ago, so tapping, that changes high-level serotonin. But when you've got these pain bodies, by the time you're seven, you have created a blueprint for how you react in certain circumstances. And that is like your map, no matter what, whether it's right, wrong, you have a map. If you were to ask a lot of seven-year-old, like when the five, what do you want to do? I'm going to fly to the moon. I'm going to be a ballerina. By the time the seven, that conditioned, if you ask kids, they'll go, oh, don't go up home with that person. They're the class bully. They'll smash on the way home. Or that one, she just cries at nothing. They archetype categorized you. Oh, she's the brains of the, of the class. And that one's the telltale. You've already been pigeonholed and labeled. When you have pain bodies, for whatever reason, something has been activated. So say it was abandonment. If you had a lovely grandfather or a grandmother and they died, you might deem that they've abandoned you. Maybe understand the concept of death in a young child. I can remember when I was 11, my granddad died. I idolized him. He taught me so much. He was a mentor. Walked me to school. And when he died, I remember everybody going, eating and drinking. And I thought, can this have died? I remember thinking, how can you possibly? It's an old tradition in England that people travel. You wined and dined and remembered. But my little, I was like mind, I thought, people like the glad he's dead. How can they do that? I was quite traumatized. And I went short-sighted all the Perfect vision. I remember walking to school. I was 11. I thought, oh, God, I can't read the numbers on the double deck. But sitting about a month later, I thought, oh, my God, I can hardly see the buzz until it's on top of me. What's going on? I didn't like the world without him. My vision. So that was a pain body of abandonment, death. Me trying to make sense, seeming like everybody's celebrating, and I just wanted to howl. Who's going to teach me now? Who's going to be my amazing mentor that taught me so much? Anything that really has a massive rug being pulled out from under you. You've been hit by a 
whatever it is, you don't have one emotion. You could open up Pandora's box and have 10. And when them 10 emotions jolt you, the biggest nerve is in high alert. When you're fearful, cannot use your executive brain. You can't problem solve. Either flight freeze like a deer in the headlights or you're running for your life. Everything's fast, furious, digestion closes down. Your, your blood's gone to your muscles to help you run. Just a memory of child or even an adult saying, oh, I hated it when I went to this school, all the girls bullied me. They could go back into that trauma and not realize the blood pressure through the the shallow breathe, the holding the breath. Like in a yoga class, I said, take a deep breath. The diaphragm is frozen. Because the same emotion that they felt as a seven or an eight-year-old, they activate as if it's real. And because those little energetic holograms around you, when they activate, your brain does not know the difference between a memory and a reality. So something that I've been interested in and has actually been helping me a lot is this kind of voice that rattles away in the back of your mind. And very often what it says are not really very helpful things. And often it will go back to those traumas that you can remember and they'll tell you the story and go over the story and you can immediately start feeling your body starting to feel bad, your stomach cramps, your chest tightens. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do is to, instead of allow this voice to run rampant in, in my head, is to use the present moment to try and be more aware of where I am right now, not back in those memories, and to appreciate the moment as it's happening. Um, and my, things might not be brilliant in this present moment, but to actually live that now rather than be dragging up all the, the old stuff and triggering those emotions again. Is that something you work with your clients on? I actually feel um, that most people find what works for them. I don't think there's one hard and fast rule. I don't believe that what works for me I'm a bit, I'm a bit crazy, I'm a bit out there. But I use archetypes to get me through situations. Right on a mission, don't stop till you've got the Holy Grail. If you've got a pinpoint focus and you are trying to achieve something, even if you fall off the horse and you get trampled or there's people coming to kill you in that archetype role, it's no, I've got to get back into my sovereignty so I will embrace the traits of a sovereign being queen or a king and I will use their power and their strength activated in me to get through what I need to do so if I was like in that grief situation which I've just gone through with the loss of a husband sometimes you've got to watch things like on tv like movies that make you howl and cry and get it out rather than thinking stifling it let it flow dance, move, sing sad songs and even if it makes you cry, I do all of that. And it's if you can't get it out and it is locked in your body, that trauma, what happens is it's like a pancake on the plate. If you've had grief because you lost your dog when you were five and then something else, a grandmother died, it's like you're stacking 
one grief on top of another. And then one day, you know, you think, because it's not in your conscious mind, it's not affecting you, but the unconscious mind is the driving force. And then that can just surge up with one activation and all those griefs combined just knock you for six. And you just think, can't get out of bed. How, why am I feeling like this? It's because you have the bank account. So where do you store grief in your body? And I get people, I can tap on them and I'm saying, okay, this real overwhelming grief might be tapping and just, I can see it. I can see shadows, lines. I can see like somebody's got like a call around the throat and they can't speak the truth. I remove them. But I say, okay, close your eyes. Where does that grief live in your body? And if you don't know, just guess. And they might go, yes, in your heart. Five to 10,000 times more powerful than your brain. If you try and solve an emotional problem with the brain, you're never going to because it's robotic. And it'll just give you more and more because you have to feel. If you can't feel, you don't know what's real. So if you drop in and feel like, oh, he's absolutely killing me. I can't stand this. All right. How can you move through that? You can embrace some good times that you had and then cry because that person's no longer there. But then think about how can you, unless grief is like mountains, the peak and drop, every birthday, wedding anniversary, every occasion that you had a great time, he's going to make you cry. It's going to surface again. Whatever you don't put it down, because you're compounding them pain bodies and they're living throughout you. And you get to the point where one thing I found when I worked 15 years in palliative care, and that is what really turned me on to the mind, body, spirit. Mainstream medicine, oh, we'll rip this organ out. We'll do that Cartesian dualism. Oh, you're like clockwork. We'll just pull your gallbladder out. Then something else happens. I would be saying gallbladder, resentment, out of anger, liver. What are they resentful for? I would clear that emotion that's made that organ in disharmony because it takes two and a half years to make it something physical from an event where you like can't get rid of the emotion where somebody's you off, husband's cheated on you, run off with your best friend, whatever it is. If you cannot release, you will create illness in some organ of your body. So... When I was going through this grief, I would feel it come in waves. And when it was, I could feel it coming, I would just sit down and I would go, okay, let's just do this. And I could Perfect. feel it come through me. And it was like a sort of storm raging through. And then if I sat with it and allowed it, it would die down and pass. And those storms would come frequently and with huge intensity to start with. And then gradually over time, they would be less intense and further apart. And so it yeah. is very powerful to to allow for those emotions and to really embrace them and go with them and not let them squash yeah. down into your psyche. At the point when you're feeling it, it's hard to embrace. But like you said, allow, feel, and let it ripple and move through you. And sometimes like breathing, sound and movement. So if you're on your own, you could run around, you could dance, you could swear, <laughs> whatever you want to get it out. I had a 
huge event about two years ago. And I felt I had a ball of trapped energy in my solar plexus and it made me feel very uneasy, like a sense of doom and gloom and foreboding and punchy. Asked someone, oh, just shake and dance. No, didn't do it. And I had this crazy idea. Everything's vibration. Every word, every thought, everything vibrates through you. I have a big studio with a deck, timber deck. I lay on the deck, found this drumming, shaman drumming. And to make it vibrate through me, I had a clock speak. I'm every shocker. And it was burning through me. And I actually, I, I went somewhere. It was like I was on a mountaintop and there was this Hawaiian Hindian guy doing some healing. He had this eagle. I was looking at this eagle and he, the message was, fly above the heavy density of the planet. You're steeped in it and it's pulling you down and you're feeling everything. You're ultra sensitive. And then I had an owl and it said, use your wisdom. I felt fantastic. I did it on every show. singing balls around me and going like this. And I actually shook the whole, whatever. It was really heavy, sense of foreboding. I, I felt like I'd been jolted out of my body and I was in between, like a visa capacity, in between two realms. And I thought, oh my God, I never felt like that. And then I took myself off to the beach and I have a favourite spot and I hugged this tree, very hippie. And I ground myself with deep roots. I'll tell you that. My physical body was so exhausted I could barely walk home once I got rid of it because it costs you a lot of physical energy to get it out. And if you were doing that, once you've done your process, you might want to curl up and sleep because you've got no energy left. Going back to your childhood, it's interesting when you were talking about archetypes, it reminded me of being a child and the fairy tales that we were read or that we learned to read. And those, some of them are quite dark and quite scary. And I guess the sort of role of the fairy tale is to transport us into these other realms to explore characters and to explore situations that we are going to come up against in terms of trauma and grief and fear and loneliness and all of those things that we are going to experience as adults, but a way for children to understand them maybe is through stories and fairy tales. And as a child, were you like you are now? Did you have a sense of the sort of magical quality of fairy tales and going off into other places in your imagination? Yeah. I was an avid reader. I go to the library. We all went to the library like it's from school. And I famous five, secret seven. And I imagined I was in a cave with this greenery hanging and nobody could see it. I, if I watch things on TV like Netflix, I'm actually in the movie. And I'm like navigating these characters. And even if they're horribly violent, I don't focus on that. I look at how did they problem solve? What makes them like they are? There's some kind of likable rogue, but they might, in the hub, they might kill. And it's to do with survival, isn't it? It's root chakra. And when you look at all the aspects of we are meant to transcend from survival right through your seven chakras and then evolve and grow or go into the dark night of the cave, the soul, and come out on the hero's journey, transform with new knowledge, new wisdom, new ways of managing problems. 
But I feel like I always, when I read women, girls, things like comics, you wouldn't probably know I'm older than you. And it was like, I was in the adventure with them. It's like I got transported and I'm, they're all going off somewhere and having an adventure and then they get chased. I'd be like, I'd be like, I don't know how that happened, but it just did. And we're taught to lose our sense of the magical and that that thing that kind of really helps us sort of transport and play and imagine when we're children. And then when we grow up or through school, you have to get serious with studies and then you have to leave home and go out into the world and get a job. I know that you went into to nursing and you were going through this medical profession and then you went into the palliative care um, department. And it's interesting because it reminded me when I was reading your story that when I was filming a series about terminal illness for television, mm -hmm. one of the places we filmed was a hospice. And in that particular hospice, they did a lot of massage therapy and meditation and they had a light room where patients could go and, and sit and in these kind of all these kind of magical lights and there was a sense of allowing their patients these people who were dying to to have a kind of softer approach and to allow their imaginations to take them outside of their pain and the experience that they were going through so what was the transition from you being a nurse and going about your daily business to starting to understand that maybe you could offer a different approach? I've always delved in complementary therapies. I was a health visitor in England, primary health care prevention, ran baby clinics, did antenatal, all of that. And when I saw GPs are people in the baby clinic. You have a baby with covered in eczema, eyelashes and eyebrows falling out. They look like they've been scalded. There's got to be another way. They're just giving them cortisone cream. All that does is suppress the inflammation. It doesn't stop the cause. And so I got, even then, I've always looked for a different way, a holistic approach, long before palliative, that's here. But, and I would suss out. All different things, like I'd find a butcher that didn't put chemicals in the little beef burgers for children and the skin was glowing because they weren't having E numbers and preservatives and artificial things in it. And this guy would have been a millionaire. I'm sending him, it knowed him. Everybody go and see these butchers. And the kid, I'd say, stop using harsh soap powders. Don't use the nappy liner. They're impregnated with chlorhexidine. Simple, gentle and the body will start to heal. In the palliative care scene then, how did you start to implement these ways of working that allowed people to well, have a more gentle passage? Because time was of the essence. So you'd have somebody saying, oh, it's my wedding anniversary not next week and I'm not going to be here. So I would organise something for them. I'd come in with champagne, party poppers, feather boas. We're going to celebrate today, seize the day. And I taught, like the family, how to massage the hand and feet with essential oils, how to quietly open that door and bring your dog in and put it in bed and let them cuddle the dog. And then tell them, it's more my dad, 
You've been an amazing dad. When I was a kid, you remember when I fell off this mountain and you grabbed my hand and affirmed them and they can feel like they've had, they've done a good job bringing kids up and they can let go because they've not got unfinished business. You'd find that someone was waiting for some to come back from London and as soon as they heard the voice and they sat and chatted, semi-conscious on a morphine infusion, then they'd go out for a coffee and that person would quietly just go without any drama. And I always would say, if we can find one person that says, we're going to be all right, it's okay to let go. Don't fight to stay here because you're frightened that we're not going to look after each other. You're giving them permission to leave. We're in a difficult time in, in history. We are facing a massive climate crisis. But I'm a great believer that we have to start with ourselves and that will have a ripple effect outwards to others and Absolutely. to the planet. So yeah. what do you do with your with the people that you work with to help them, first of all, heal themselves so that they can help others and the planet? I'm glad you've said that, heal themselves. We don't heal others. We facilitate them to heal themselves. And that's a big thing to realize so if i had a phone call and somebody said oh my life's a mess i'm going through a like messy divorce my kids are fighting each other everything they've all dropped to the same frequency so i asked them to dot point sometimes i go back to chat i'm not clearing all that but i want to see the trajectory of what patterns have repeated over and over. So they could have had something when they were nine, then it happened again at 15, and they're still running blueprint that I talked about before. So I then have done kinesiology. So I would be, when I get this list, I would look at all these key elements. So they might be, they might have lost the job. They could be absolute, everything's devastated. And I think I need to pick the highest thing so chat that I'll get them back as a driver's seat. I'll, I get them to send me a Word document and I tell you a story. I say, keep it brief. I don't want to read 10 pages. And I'd write, abandonment, it's mistrust, whatever, next to it. And then I would muscle test. Not if it's 100%. And I go, 100, 200, 300. Oh, my God. That's got to be the first thing I clear, that thing in them, because they've had several relationships and the same pattern where they perhaps madly in love, then the person cheated, and then they took all the bank account, emptied the bank account, and I thought, but that's, that is the victim mentality, so you'd have to do the triangle, the victim triangle, and the observer. I clear the whole lot. Then I would be looking at all the trapped energy in the body, and I draw what I see. There'll be cracks in the heart, lines of energy going from the stomach up to the neck and around here, and I've seen chastity pills on people when it could be past livestock. And literally, they said, oh, I don't really enjoy sex. I said, I'm not surprised. Come in and move that thing so that you could feel the energy going to them parts that are obliterated, basically. When you look at ancestral stuff, things come down your line, but it's not in your genetics. It's actually in the scaffolding around the genes. So it's like transported down a few generations. When people say, you're just like your Auntie Jean. He was just like you. She was a really hard person to get on with or whatever. And it's funny because 
archetypal traits. And they do come down the line. And that's why if you look at things that happen in you and recognize your light and your dark, you know where you're playing that game or that story. So, you know, for me, I would just, I look at the whole thing. I use many different things. I have tuning things out to people. I use Reiki. I, and it's dramatic. I had one guy walk in here and he was six foot six and bent over and couldn't straighten up. And I did some stuff with him. And he went to the low and he come back. He was straight and he's like, what the hell is that? Not really, no. He was burdened and he was laughing and elevated. But what you have to do is get someone at that level. 540 is that. Any less than that, you cannot manifest. So it takes a lot for people to face their fears, face their traumas and to do the work. How do you define courage? Some people used to say, feel the fear and do it anyway. There's lots of an acronym, is it? Fear, false evidence appearing real. There's all kinds of things. And it's an anticipation that something bad is going to happen. And it might never happen. But when people feel it, then they start secreting neuropeptides. So they'll have more fear hormones flooding every cell of the body. So you have to pattern interrupt. Find out what created that pattern and that cycle. And I, when you do something, my son created the healing modality called the spiral. So we do what's called a root clear, and it's like pulling a weed out by the root. If that's fear, then what's courage? Courage is finding some strength to climb the mountain with all the obstacles, and no matter what you confront, even if you drop to your knees like the knight falls off his horse and you think, you know what, if I really want to get to the top of that mountain, I've got to get up and even if there's a monster around that next corner, psych yourself up, use the warrior in you. We've all got our types. So the warrior queen, if you want the queen, it's like she would, queen border seer, I'm always quoting queen border seer, she's alive and well in me, the Celtic warrior. She fought the Romans and killed 70,000. She couldn't win. There were legions, thousands of them, but she had a damn good try. And I, I rely on energetic characters like that to, am I going to get over this terrible thing? Like I keep, I'm running out of steam, I'm fat. Don't use your physical, use a higher source for that energy to, to work. Thank you so much, Patricia, for showing us that embracing a holistic approach to well-being by opening up our minds, body and spirit, facilitates a transformative healing process that allows us to tap into our inner wisdom, align with our true selves and initiate positive changes in our lives and for the world around us. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for asking me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Patricia, for showing us that when we tap into that which we don't yet fully understand, we may heal ourselves and our place on the planet. You can get Patricia's book, Journey to Magnificence, on Amazon and follow her on Facebook at Patricia Newton. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's story inspired you on your own Brave New Girl journey. If you need further support, head over to www.bravenewgirlmedia.com.